Good morning. Glad to see all of you here again today, uh, especially if you're a guest. I want to welcome you to New Anthem Church. I know there's a lot of things you can do in the summer, so I'm glad you chose to spend your morning with us. It's a responsibility that we don't take lightly here. You picked a good Sunday to join us because we're in part two of a series called Leadership Lessons from Jesus. Do not worry if you were not here last week. I can sum up the entire message like this. Leadership is not a position or a title. Leadership is influence. It's not a position or a title. Leadership is influence. And you know that's true because if you think back about the person who has impacted you the most, the person who's kind of had the most uh, uh, significance in your life, chances are, I can almost guarantee, you're not thinking of a boss. Somebody who's higher up on you than, uh, than you on an org chart. You're thinking of a parent or a grandparent, maybe some other relative. You're thinking of a teacher or a coach. Maybe you're even thinking of a pastor or a church leader, which means... Get this, which means you're a leader because you're one of those things. That's my entire sermon from last week. And so you need to learn how to lead yourself because you're a leader. And this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of leading your life. Last week was all about you. This week's all about the environments that are around you. It's about leading your home, your work, your school, anywhere outside of church that you spend your time. Now, just kind of frame in where we're headed. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any regrets about decisions you've made? Anybody regret anything? Okay, I regrettably forgot your sermon notes sitting on my desk, so I apologize for that. But let me give you another one of my regrets. For me, one of my biggest regrets comes around this idea of influence. Influence and, and leadership has just kind of always come naturally to me. I don't know why, but it was never hard for me to make friends or find myself in leadership type roles. People have always had a tendency to, to listen to me. And that being said, I haven't always been a positive influencer, not always been a positive leader. I grew up in church, grew up in a Christian household, but it was always just a religion for me. It's about rules, what I could do, what I couldn't do. It didn't become a relationship for me until late in life. I was 31 when I started this church. I was probably 26 before I really committed my life to following Christ. I understood that it was about a relationship. It wasn't about the rules. And so I just, uh, I don't have just one regret. I have 26 years of regret. Not about the things that I've done. Been forgiven of all that. That Landon's dead. I'm new, but I do regret uh, that I led people the wrong direction. I'll give you an example of this. Many of you know I'm a basketball guy. Since I can remember, I've just always enjoyed basketball. Maybe growing up in the 80s and 90s with the last name Jordan had something to do with that. But uh, I've just always played. I was not horrible at it, I guess. Basketball has opened up some doors for me that probably otherwise would have been closed. And part of that was playing on a summer team that traveled around and played in different tournaments. It was a hand-picked team with kids from uh, surrounding communities. And when you're with guys for that long, you develop some friendships, even though they uh, live in separate towns. And I can remember becoming friends with another guy who was also very charismatic. People flocked to him in an entirely different way than it was for me. And uh, people liked being around him and just his smile and his energy just brought people to him as a little different than my story. But he too was not a good role model. We shoplifted together, we drank together, we smoked together. Fast forward to our freshman year of college, he calls me up. He, go, he went to a separate college to play basketball than what I did. He calls me up, he's at a party, he's trying to convince me to come. For whatever reason, one of the only times that I told him no, but I told him no and I didn't go. 
And a couple days later, he's driving to see his girlfriend. He doesn't navigate a turn correctly. The car goes off the road, flips his car, lands in a ditch upside down. Water pours in the car. He drowns. He dies. I have no idea if he was a Christian or not. I hope he was. Other people have told me that he was, but neither one of us broached the subject with one another, and I regret that deeply. It's one of the things that motivates me today. I don't want to have any regret around that idea anymore. I want to be able to tell people about the faith that I have and the hope that I have in Jesus. Now, true story, it's a little bit easier for me as a pastor probably than it is for you. People expect me uh, to do that. I'm kind of a professional Christian. I get paid to be good. You all, you guys are are good for nothing is how that (laughs) works, I guess. But So so I understand that it is a little bit easier for me, but going back to last week, you are a leader because leadership is influence. You're influencing somebody in your life, and I want to help you how to learn how to impact every facet of your life. Maybe more importantly, I want you to learn how to live a life without regret. And God wants the same thing for you. Ultimately, the only way to do that The only way to live a life without regret is to live up to your God-given potential. So let's look at this together. If you brought a Bible, I hope you did. Go ahead and grab it. You're going to want to open up towards the back of your Bible a section called the New Testament. Uh, Just look for some guys' names. You'll find it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is how it was go. You want that first guy's name, Matthew. Uh, Our series is Leadership Lessons from Jesus, so we're going to read a story that Jesus told on leadership in Matthew chapter 25. It's a big number, 25. Jesus' disciples are asking him about heaven and earth and what they should know about both places, and it's very applicable to our conversation today about leading your life. So let's pick it up right in verse 14. It reads, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you've delivered to me five talents here. I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. couple things worth noting here. First of all, a talent is the equivalent of 20 years of wages for a laborer. 
So it's no small amount of money. The man who had servants clearly was wealthy. He has given away a hundred and sixty years worth of wages. Back then, that's almost incomprehensible to even think about as a number. Jesus might have well had said, this man had a gazillion dollars and gave it away. Okay, because nobody even knew what 160 years of wages even looked like. Now, it's also important for you to realize that when you have a gazillion dollars, you have more than three servants, don't you think? Clearly, purely hypothetical on my end, but some of us get caught up in playing this comparison game about who has what, and I don't have this. In reality, we should be saying, how good is God that he gave us anything? Right. I mean, God doesn't owe you a thing. It was out of his goodness that you're even here at all. Watch this, Ephesians 2.10. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives because of Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. That's what this life is about, loving God and loving people. The first lesson in leading your life, that's it. It's not about you. Certainly, leadership starts with you. You can't lead anybody if you're not leading yourself in the right direction. But the influence God gives you is to benefit other people, not you. That's what leadership is about, influencing others. I once heard a guy say, success is adding value to yourself. Significance is adding value to others. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be significant than successful because significance will far outlive success. If you're a parent, you know that is true. Can you imagine dying today and your child getting your life insurance money? My son would stockpile some fidget spinners and my daughter would buy some gum. Okay? This is what they're about. So, I don't need success. I need significance. I need to influence my children in the right direction and shape their lives. I don't need my money to do that for them. That being said, it's of equal value to notice that you don't have to be in charge in order to have influence. These were servants who were given authority. They were not in charge. I think too often leadership focuses on the boss when in reality there are very few bosses. So how do you lead when you're not in charge? Not everybody has the same amount of influence. Certainly not everybody has the same amount of influence in every area. So what do you do? I'm going to show you, but hang on. Because third, Jesus is teaching us here that God determines the talents. We determine our choices. Notice the man who divvied out the talents didn't give any instructions on how they were to be used. The servants took it upon themselves to decide. Same thing is true for you. God's not judging you based on your talents. He doesn't look down and say, hey, why aren't you more like so-and-so? Your parents ever do that to you? Why aren't you more like your brother? Why aren't you more like your sister? God doesn't do that. The man who was the one who wasn't judged with one talent, he was not judged based on his ability God didn't say, well, why didn't you, why didn't you act more like your, your two-talent brother, your five-talent brother? No, he was judged based on his productivity. It wasn't about what he had. It was what he did with it. I'll say it this way. God's more concerned with you doing the best you can with where you're at than he is about how you got there. Let me ask you, if you're a one-talent, two-talent, or five-talent person, are you maximizing those talents? That's what God wants from you. Bible calls it fruitfulness, and you're supposed to be bearing good fruit. In other words, as a follower of Christ, you're not in competition with other people. You're in competition with what's possible. Amen, somebody? 
You know, that was good preaching. Nobody like started writing that down or anything or tweet that out. You're not in competition with what with other people. You're in competition with what's possible in your life based on what God's given you. One talent, two talent, five talents, it doesn't matter. Listen to me. The only way you live a life without regret is to live up to your God-given potential. Ask yourself, am I doing all I can with where I'm at in order to bring people along with me to influence them? That's what this is all about. Loving God, loving people, influencing them in the direction they ought to go. Ultimately, here's what I'm getting at. This is what I want you to know. God has given you some kind of gift, talent, ability, and influence. It's your responsibility to figure out how to use it. And what's really cool is, think about this. The man who goes on the journey, he represents Jesus. Jesus went to heaven after he rose from the dead. He's going to come back. He's going to settle accounts. The book of Revelation talks about that. So did Johnny Cash when the man comes around, okay? Anyways, I'm excited about this. Listen, notice Jesus didn't ever instruct them to earn more. He just gave them the talent. So how did the two-talent, five-talent guy realize that they needed to earn more because they were influenced by their master? They followed him. They understood this is what my master would want. The beauty of this is we as Christians, we know what our master wants. Everything is given to us right here. God has given us an instruction manual to understand how we bear good fruit, how we maximize our potential, how we live a life without regret. It's incredible. So let's chat about a couple things that you can do. How can you lead your life? You should now realize that you need to. You need to be leading yourself. You need to be leading your life, the environments all around you, really all of it, is dependent on the choices you make. So what choices can you make today that will lead your life in the right direction and and help you maximize your talents and bring people along with you and bring God glory? Two simple things, okay, in one sentence. Consistently bring a positive attitude with positive energy. That's it. That's what you can do today. That's entirely a choice you can make to bring a positive attitude with positive energy. And think about it. You don't have to be in charge in order to have a good attitude. You don't even have to like what you're doing. You just have to choose today. I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to bring a positive amount of energy. Nothing is going to change that. Why? Because I'm a child of God. My eternity is secure and God has given me everything I need to succeed. Bible tells us that. 2 Peter 1.3 For as you know Jesus better, He will give you through His great power everything, everything you need for living a truly good life. He even shares His own glory and His own goodness with us. Somebody say Everything. Looked up that word in the original Greek. So it's a word, P-A-S is how it's spelled, pas. It literally means all, everything, total. It's where we get our English word, get this, pandemonium. That's unbelievable. So God doesn't give you pandemonium, okay? His presence will not inflict pandemonium on you. But his presence should affect every area of your life, just like pandemonium would. Just like a pandemic would. That's awesome, You guys are not as excited about it as I was, but that's okay. It's okay. 
As we unpack this idea of attitude and energy, I want you to think about someone special to Jesus. Jesus' mom, Mary. God shows up to her, to Mary, through an angel. Says, hey, I know you're not married. It's going to look weird to all the people around you. Your family's probably going to kick you out of the house. But I'm going to need you to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. Slightly paraphrased, but that's essentially what happens. Okay, Not an ideal situation for her. I don't know if you've been pregnant. I have not, okay? But I've seen it three times with my wife. Suffice it to say, it does not look awesome. You cannot sleep. Your back constantly hurts. You're bumping that baby into stuff uh, all the time. Your clothes don't fit. Your feet swell. All you want to do is eat pickles and ice cream. This is what God asks of Mary. Check this out. Look at her response. It's Luke one thirty-eight. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, if that's her attitude, which is quite positive, considering the situation, then think about what she passes on to her son, Jesus. She's giving him a legacy of obedience, submission, faith, and service. All in that one sentence, simply by having a good attitude. Like, what if your attitude were, God, I'm your servant, let's just rock this until the wheels fall off. If you have a bad day at work, doesn't matter. I'm not serving a boss, I'm not serving money, I'm serving God. A bad day at home, forget about it. God told me I can be angry, but not sin. I'm not going to let the sun go down while I'm angry. Bad day at school, no big deal, God's got this. I don't need anybody else's approval, because I've already got God's. Except, that's not easy, is it? Choosing to have a positive attitude, choosing to bring positive energy. In fact, it's, it's borderline impossible some days. Really, really hard. And the reason most of us don't have a positive attitude, aside from being sin in the world, so negating that, I think it's because we have a faulty understanding of God's work ethic and expectations. Okay, feel free to email me on this, wrong, on this one if I'm wrong, but I think most of us believe that life should be easy. Life should just kind of go our way. Think about how much time and money you spend making life more convenient for yourself. No time for a meal, sit down, throw it in the microwave, you'll be fine. Go through a drive-thru, doesn't matter. It sucks to walk. It's even worse to ride a horse, right? And a bike, nobody wants that. So you get in the car, turn on the air conditioning, it's way easier. I mean, everything in American history, the vast majority of our inventions is about making work and life easier. So follow me on something. Genesis 2.15, the Bible says, God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with the assignment to work the ground and keep it, which comes before the curse of sin. So work was not a punishment inflicted on Adam for his sin. Work was part of God's original design. In fact, the word work in in Hebrew literally means to develop. See, God made Adam to be a gardener. A gardener is not a park ranger who just guards the garden. God put Adam in the garden, (coughs) excuse me, to develop the garden. He was take the raw materials of the earth, develop them for the glory of God and the benefit of the people that would be in the garden with him. Furthermore, we know that God made man in his image. And 12 times through Genesis 1 and 2, we are told God made something. So it's not a stretch to say God was a creator, 
which means Adam was made in God's image, so he's a co-creator with God. Adam was going to take what God created, raw materials, he was going to develop and create other things. Just like today, contractors take raw materials of sand and cement and use them to create buildings. Artists take raw materials of color or music, arrange them into art. Lawyers take principles of justice, codify them into laws that benefit society. This is co-creation. Do you remember what the word God used for his creation was? What did he say after created things? It was what? Good. It was good. Good is good, but good is not perfect. Perfect means cannot be improved upon. God created the world raw in a good state so that we could develop it and cultivate it for his glory and others' good. I once heard a pastor give an illustration on this. It was fantastic. He said, when you see my wife on a Sunday morning, she's perfect. Her clothes, her makeup, her hair, she cannot be improved upon. When she first wakes up in the morning and gets out of bed, she's good. Good is good. Good is not perfect. Don't tell my wife I said that either. Okay, that was somebody else. That was an illustration. So this is key. Okay? Especially as we think about having a positive attitude, positive energy, using the talents God has given us anytime we work at something. In a way, God is himself at work creating through us. The reformer Martin Luther took Psalm 147.13, which says, For God strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. Then he asked, Martin Luther asked, How exactly does God do those things? He came up with this. He said, How does he strengthen the bars of the city? By city planners and architects. By politicians who pass good laws to protect a city. How does he bless our children within our midst through the work of teachers and coaches and pediatricians? How does he make peace within our borders by means of good lawyers and good policemen? How does he fill us with the finest of wheat by farmers and factory workers and restaurant owners? Our professions, Luther said, are like the masks God wears and caring for the world. Just to drive this point home, there's two Old Testament figures in Exodus 31, Bezalel and Oholiab. Moses says they were filled with the Spirit. One of the only times in the Old Testament you see people being filled with the Spirit. How did they express that? Not by speaking in tongues or prophetic words or healing, by being expert craftsmen. And Moses put them to work. Their expression of being filled with the Holy Spirit was doing excellent things work. All of this goes back to the idea of you have talents, gifts, abilities, and influence. How are you doing at making that excellent for the people around you? That's what leading your life is all about. It's an expression of God's glory working through you. So let me kind of tie all this together for you neatly and in a bow. Having a positive attitude bringing positive energy to wherever you're at. It adds value to whatever you're doing. Having energy each and every day and having a positive attitude, it impacts people in a way that brings glory to God. Here's some of the ways it could play out. It might be as simple as keeping your desk, your locker, or your bedroom clean. That can influence the people around you. It might be as complex as reminding yourself today, nothing and no one will bring me down. 
God is in control. He's still on his throne, and he's given me everything I need to succeed. Second Peter 1.3 he's talked about. So I'm going to maximize my potential. I'm going to live up to my one, two, or five talents that God has given me. Parents, your kids can't change that. Workers, your bosses can't change that. Students, your teachers can't change that. Or some arrogant bully can't change that either. The bottom line is God determines the talents. We determine the choices. And the one choice that nobody can take from you is having a positive attitude and bringing positive energy to everything you do each and every day. So why not today? Start today. Choose in your mind, I'm bringing a positive attitude and I'm bringing positive energy and I'm going to work as hard as I can at maximizing the talents God has given me in order to bring glory to God and in order to influence the people around me and the lives that are at stake around me. Don't live a life of regret because you didn't live up to your God-given potential. Choose today. But today is going to be the day that I maximize my gifts, talents, abilities, and strengths in order to bring glory to God. Amen, somebody? Let's pray. God, thank you again for this time together this morning. God, we're humbled by the fact that you have chosen to give us any gift, talent, ability at all. God, if somebody here is struggling with what that is, I just ask that you help speak clearly into their life to challenge them in what they're doing so they can bring glory to your name, to influence lives of people around you and around them. God, help each person be able to leave here today with a positive attitude knowing that you have given them everything they need to succeed, that you have shared your glory with us. God, how amazing is that? That you've chosen to lavish upon us grace. That's not about what we do, but it's about living up to our potential so that we can bring glory to you, so we can influence our workplaces, our environments. God, I believe we can impact the city By impacting the city, we can impact the state. And by impacting the state, we can impact this nation. And God, we believe that it's only through your power that we can do that. I'm praying that through this movement of people right here, right now, that we get people to ask us, man, what's different about you? How come you're positive all the time? How can we bring energy all the time and we can share the love of God, the love of Jesus? Because he died for our sins took our sin upon him that we can be made new. God, you've given us new lives. We're so thankful for that. I ask that you just let each person leave this place today filling the newness of life, filled with your Holy Spirit to bring a positive attitude and positive energy no matter what comes their way. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.